Learn how to plan, invest, and live smarter with the Raymond James For What It's Worth podcast. Featuring insights from leading professionals, you'll get the latest in wealth management, market commentary, and engaging research. Listen today at RaymondJames.com podcast. Masterpiece Studio is brought to you by Viking Cruises. See the world differently by exploring differently. Learn more at vrc.com. I'm Jace Lacob, and you're listening to Masterpiece Studio. When entitled heiress Caroline Penvenin first appeared at the beginning of the second season of Poldark, she was anything but common. My darling little Horace has had two fits, and now he's barely breathing. Will you attend on him, please? Your dog? Your footman made a mistake. It would be a farrier you sent him for. It's not my custom to employ a horse doctor for Horace. I want the best advice and I'm willing to pay for it. Caroline was breathtakingly beautiful, staggeringly wealthy, and unbelievably bored. How long are you intending to stay? That depends. If my little Horace and I get bored, we may be forced to return to London. But as her time in Cornwall continued, Caroline changed. She transformed from a spoilt, selfish girl calling in a doctor to attend to her sick pug into a generous and anonymous local benefactor. She paid for oranges for the scurvy-ridden poor and loaned the nearly destitute Nampara Poldarks the money to hold on to their home and land. You could blame the Cornish way of life for Caroline's change, but you could also blame her forbidden love for Dr. Dwight Ennis. She eloped with the good doctor in this week's season three premiere. There's a lot of ups and downs for Caroline and Dwight in this um, season. It is not a simple journey at all, but there is hope. Gabriella Wilde plays Caroline on Poldark, and she spoke with Masterpiece producer Barrett Brontis about her character's surprise elopement and other dramatic prospects awaiting us in the upcoming third season of Poldark. And we're joined this week by Gabriella Wilde, who plays Caroline Penvenin, also Caroline Ennis, in Series 3 of Poldark. Welcome, Gabriella. Hi. So the Season 3 premiere was a roller coaster of emotions for Caroline as she married her beloved Dwight Ennis and lost her beloved uncle, Ray Penvenin. Can you describe what Dwight and Caroline have overcome in order to arrive at this point in their relationship? And what in their characters makes it work? I think... um Dwight and Caroline have overcome a lot, kind of their social stereotypes, the expectations on them of who they should marry and where their lives should go. Uh, For Caroline, I think particularly, she has totally gone against the grain and and done exactly what she wanted, which is very in her nature, being so so single-minded and strong-willed. And I think that is what Dwight loves in her, you know. He loves her for all that she is and nothing to do with where she comes from. And I think that goes the same for him. She loves him for who he is, even though where he comes from is something totally alien to her too. Uh, And I think probably that's also her fascination with him. He's unlike anyone she's ever met or come across. Were you surprised by how their romance evolved and, um, and even more so with the audience reaction to it? I mean, their romance is surprising. I think, you know, you can see from when you first meet Caroline, she's kind of... Uh, pretty prickly with most men, um, seems to be bored by most of them as well. Um, and so I think when she meets Dwight, you sort of see this sort of curiosity, perhaps, in his what appears to be kind of disdain for her. 
Um, and I think at first it appears almost so a challenge for her just to kind of toy with him. And then it turns into something a lot softer. And for some reason, he manages to sort of crack her and um, sort of make her vulnerable and a, a lot softer. And it's it's a really kind of beautiful relationship to watch in that way. And, and it is unexpected. The death of Caroline's uncle, Ray Penvenen, marked the final appearance of actor John Nettles. And what was that like for you to film those final scenes with him? It was really sad. John is the most charming, wonderful man. And um, I had a lot of fun filming with him through the second series. Um, and, and I think his relationship with Caroline is really wonderful. It's incredibly tender. Um, you know, it has that formality of, of those times, yet you can see the kind of love between them. And he is all she's ever really had. And so to watch him go and have to do that scene with him dying it's it's incredibly sad especially with the timing of her just being married but I guess it's sort of quite true to life the sort of bittersweet and the sort of peaks and troughs that we all go through can you forgive me Uncle Ray what if I told you there was nothing to forgive oh my dear girl my dear dear girl so Caroline loses her uncle and then almost immediately loses Dwight after his ship, the Travail, disappears uh, in a skirmish with the French. So how does that loss shape her going forward? Well, I think this, that's a sort of huge moment and turning point for Caroline. I think, you know, she is very young, especially in series two, and she goes on quite a long journey and, and she grows up a bit with kind of falling in love with Dwight and that relationship and, you know, really kind of stepping out for what she wants and, and everything that your first love would teach you in that way. And then to so suddenly lose so much um, with the death of her uncle and then the kind of fear of, of the unknown of where Dwight is, I think it's massive for her. Um, I think it takes away potentially a lot of the naivety that was there in her Um I think she's definitely someone who's known loss already. You know, she was an orphan raised by her uncle. Um, but to suddenly lose the two men in her life and her mm. sort of grounding in that way, I think, is pretty catastrophic for her. But sort of true to her nature, I think, rather than fall apart, it just hardens her up again um, and shuts her down, which is really sad to see because I think the whole of her relationship with Dwight has been all about her opening up and becoming more vulnerable and softer and uh, not so brittle with people um, and such a closed book. And I think it's a it's a sort of frightening moment for her because it can it sort of could be the end of her vulnerability in a way and her charm. And, and I think, you know, you don't want her to harden because it's so wonderful to see her open in the way she does. One thing that helps to counteract that is her close friendship with Demelza, uh, which continues to develop despite their class differences. Can you talk about that friendship and how it's developed? Yeah, I think that's a huge thing for Caroline, that. Um, one of the first things I noticed in the scripts when I first got them was that um, Caroline really, in, in the first series I was in, has no female friends. She really didn't have any women in her life at all. Um, and it was something that I was very interested in in her character, that she doesn't seem to have a relationship with women Women don't really like her. I don't think they treat her very kindly. Um, and I think that relationship she has with Demelza is a very interesting one. And in a way, maybe 
they are so different and it is the only kind of woman who would accept Caroline and not sort of, I think, maybe shut down to her and see her as a threat because she's an heiress and she has all this money and, you know, she's... Demel's is so wonderful and open-hearted that she doesn't, I think, present any of that towards Caroline. And sort of in all this loss that happens, her and Demelza form this really wonderful bond that, again, transcends sort of where they come from and, and who they're expected to be. So Caroline is able to move seamlessly between classes and enemies um, and enjoys close relationships with Ross and Demelza while still maintaining social contact with Elizabeth and George. Uh, can you talk about how she negotiates these two very different factions? I think it's a funny one, that, because you think, you know, and she's so close with Demelza, especially in this series, how does she maintain a friendship with Elizabeth um, and George? But I think Caroline has been brought up to be a sort of social butterfly and charming and know how to sort of keep people on side, and, and she's sort of master at it, um, while also, I think, annoying people <laughs> and being rude whenever she likes. Um <laughs> I think the relationship with Ross and Demelza is something very true, very personal and real. And I think the relationships with George and Elizabeth is a social thing and it's something that is absolutely a part of Caroline and she will always make sure that she has those relationships and she can, I think, use them to her advantage where she needs to. But I think if push came to serve, her kind of um, loyalty would always lie with Ross and Demelza. To Ross, who conceived and executed the plans, spirited me from Falmouth, arranged the parson... And even brought the bride's bouquet. Demelza's handiwork. And the feast. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so what can you tease about where Caroline and Dwight's relationship is headed this season if, in fact, he does survive? Well, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs for Caroline and Dwight in this um, season. It is not a simple journey at all. Um... But there is hope, but uh, not without a rough ride, I would say. So now you joined Poldark at the start of the second season. What was that like for you joining a cast that had already been working so closely together? Uh, it was pretty terrifying. Um, cause it was one of the only kind of new main characters that year. So um, I definitely felt like the new girl at school. Um, <laughs> however, I had heard before I signed on to the job that... Um, the cast of Poldock have a reputation for being really wonderful and genuinely all getting on and it being this kind of wonderful family to become part of. Um, and it's absolutely true. Everyone was so <laughs> lovely and friendly and I think everyone has a really good time filming together. They're all really wonderful actors and really lovely people and it's a really wonderful job to work on. So my fears were quite quickly put to rest. And when we first meet Caroline, she's a spoiled and bored young woman whose only outlets for amusement seem to be toying with Unwen and tending to Horace. Can you talk about her transformation into the woman that Dwight and viewers have come to love? I think, you know, her transformation, I always wanted Caroline to be seen as, as what I saw her for, which was she's, you know, she's not a nasty person. She's not... um kind of jaded to the world or anything like that. She is chippy at the beginning and rude and she seems spoiled. She's just incredibly naive and, like you said, she's bored. You know, I think she has a brilliant mind. She's very quick. She's frustrated by her position in life. Um, and she's had a hard life. She's an orphan. She didn't have her parents. 
Um, and as I said before as well, she doesn't seem to have many women in her life. Um, and I think potentially quite a lonely existence, although a very social one. Um, I think with Horace as well, for me, that was always something that I thought was charming and funny, but at the same time quite sad. I saw him as a sort of almost like a child carrying around a teddy all the time. It spoke to me of potentially her loneliness. And I think her transformation really comes from understanding that deeper layer to her, that she, when she comes to Cornwall, is presented with the opportunity to rise to the occasion to be the sort of good-hearted person that she really is, whilst maintaining, you know, her wit and her charm. And, and you know, she does enjoy to sort of stir the pot and push people and, and um, see if she can toy with them. Um, but there's never any malice in it. I think she just sort of um, likes to test people. So uh, what else do you think in her has spurred viewers to really take a shine to her? I think, um, well, I think first, you know, she's real. You know, no one is perfect and um, just sweet or just horrible. Um, I think we all have good and bad in us, and it's it's kind of watching that in her. And, you know, she's also, she's funny, you know, and she's bright and she's quick, and it's fun to watch a woman in those days kind of talk circles around some of the men. You know, I love that sometimes she's <laughs> insulting people and they don't really realise until after she's left the conversation. Um you know, it's fun to play a character like that. You know, she's not kind of sitting there waiting to be rescued by a man. You know, she'll, she's very much happy to rescue herself and potentially him as well. So um, that's just, it's refreshing to watch, you know. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Masterpiece Studio is brought to you by Farmers Insurance and their 88 years of experience helping people so they can prepare for the unexpected. They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. Find an experienced agent at Farmers.com. Masterpiece Studio is also brought to you by Viking Cruises, exploring the world in comfort. Learn more at VRC.com. Caroline initially arrives on the scene like the Marie Antoinette of Cornwall with her dresses and her hair and her enormous hats. What do you think her appearance uh, tells us about her character? Um, I think it probably tells you that she likes to cause a stir. She likes to be noticed. Um, you know, it's it's also where she's come from. Um, I think it's nice, you know, that she arrives in Cornwall and sticks out and um, has people talking about her probably immediately. She, you know, she's, she's definitely not a shrinking violet. Um, you know, also she's fun and I think she is feminine in that way and enjoys the clothes and enjoys, you know, she does enjoy her privilege in that way and her money. And um, I think it's it's sort of a fun thing, you know, she's a young girl and, and she can, so she wears wonderful things. And, um, and like I said, because she's not going to wear anything different just because she's in Cornwall, she's going to wear what she wants to wear. So and while we're talking about costumes, and you mentioned Horace a little bit earlier, but um, we have to talk about Caroline's most fabulous accessory of all, Horace. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though he's the prototypical lap dog, he's like a character in his own right. So, what does he mean to Caroline? What does it reveal about her character? I think Horace is a really wonderful sort of note to Caroline's character. Um, you know, beyond the comedy of him and and the sort of image that this woman with this kind of lap dog that I think nobody else really likes except for her. Um, you know, just adds to kind of. <laughs> the impression she likes to give and, and also the kind of, 
you know, she she just loves to provoke people, and, and Horace is another tool for that on, in one sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as I said before, I think that for me, Horace kind of revealed something else to her, which was this kind of childlike sort of loneliness and um, softness to her that she would carry this dog everywhere with her. It's almost like a little comfort blanket she takes despite the way she appears to be. Um, And I think, and also, you know, her tenderness for him, she really, really adores him. Um, You know, that's her attachment. That's her sort of family. She doesn't have much. Um, Mm. And I think it's a sort of wonderful thing, you know, to have, have this this little kind of friend with her all the time. Um, And like I said, you know, I think the fact that Ray and other people are not so keen is is sort of kind of brilliant because I think she probably really loves that as well. (laughs) So, and how about for you? What was it like working with the dog who plays Horace? It was was fun. I mean, they always say you should never work with animals, but um, it's fun. It is um, interesting. He doesn't always do what you want him to do. Um, But he was a very sweet dog. And the only thing is that working with the pug, they're incredibly noisy, which means that um, I think all of the sound recordings had to be scrapped for the scenes that I was in with him. And we had to do all of the ADR after and re-record all my lines because there was a lot of snuffling over everything. <laughs> and um I I read that Horace was recast for season 3. So which Horace uh is closer to your heart? I think um I probably spend less time with Horace um in season 3 than I did in season 2. Um I mean he's definitely still around, but um the first Horace was older. Um, and he was, he was also kind of almost the biggest star on the show. I think he's done bigger movies than all of us. Um, so, so he probably had a bit of a big ego, um, but, um, but the second Horace, uh, was a bit younger. It was very sweet, but I'm sure that he's way bigger than the first Horace. So I don't know if anyone's going to notice that. Um, but both of them were cute. Continuity. Um, <laughs> And then we understand that Horace solved a very specific challenge during the filming of season two. Can you tell us about that? Horace was very useful, yeah, um, because I was uh, a little bit pregnant at the beginning of Pollock and, and very pregnant by the end. Um, so Horace became more and more useful. And I think, again, that's why I have him a lot more in season two, um, because they're yeah, larger and larger bumps to cover. So Horace was the perfect tool for that. I had to carry him, and, and, it, and I think it hopefully disguised that I was, I think, about eight months pregnant by the end. <laughs> so, and you were even six or seven months pregnant when you filmed a fan-favorite scene where Caroline and Dwight meet in the woods and they kiss on horseback. Uh, what was it like shooting that scene and, and Poldark in general throughout your pregnancy? Um, it was it was a challenge, some of it. You know, obviously shooting a period drama pregnant is an interesting one. Um, and especially poor Luke, who plays Dwight, having to act opposite me when I kind of look like a moving truck, I think, most of the time. Um, and, um, and shooting these romantic scenes was kind of bizarre while I was sort of so pregnant. But um, it was... It was actually a really, really positive experience, you know, working and being kind of trusted to work through a pregnancy. When I uh, found out I was pregnant, I had a conversation with um, the producers um, and with Debbie, the writer, and 
uh, I told them, you know, I was pregnant. I was obviously going to be heavily pregnant towards the end of the shoot. And they were incredibly supportive and said, you know, if you feel like you can do it, then we feel like you can, which is very refreshing in this industry. Um, and I did and and uh, not thought of not being able to work just because I was now a mother um, is as I said, refreshing and should very much be the norm and sadly is not. What was it like to have your newborn son on the set with you while you were filming such an emotional season as season three? Was it a challenge or a relief or a little bit of both? I think it was probably a bit of, yeah, all of it. Um, I think it, it is sort of strange to have to go and film the scene like Ray's death scene and actually that scene, they they scheduled it amazingly and so I would rush away from the set to go and feed my son and then rush back again. And, and we'd usually managed to have finished that scene before wow. I had to go. Um, but with Ray's death scene, because of timing, I had to go and feed my son in the middle of shooting it. So that was slightly bizarre to have to kind of be in that headspace, run back, oh. see my son, feed him for half an hour, and then run back and sort of continue crying next to Ray's bedside. I have to ask, I can't imagine how in these elaborate costumes you could possibly dash in and and nurse your baby yeah no it it, how do you get out of that it's not easy um but again you know the the wonderful people that make Poldark you know really made it work for me and and in that respect too you know I was I was very adamant I wanted to breastfeed and that they needed to make that work for me and they did they um I had a specially designed corset um, I think that uh, amazing woman who makes all the corsets for Paul Dark, so she's never made anything like it. Um, and, yeah, all of my dresses made, were made so that I, it could happen, really, so that it could all sort of happen in half an hour and I could be back on set. Oh, that's, that's magical. I think yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, no, it was, it was. So Luke Norris, who plays Dwight Ennis, has said of you... She's about as blue-blooded as they come, so we naturally have that class divide, social disconnect. And she, like Caroline, is wonderful and lovely, and there's much, much more to her than a cut-glass accent. So, in fact, you are a descendant of Charles II and Joanna of Castile, sister of Catherine of Aragon. Does that lineage help you better understand aristocratic characters like Caroline? I mean, I don't... Do you know what? I don't even know if I am. I mean, someone said that to me before, and it's like, okay, cool. But I I have no idea if I actually am. Um, um, But I think, yeah, there is an understanding of, in a way, where Caroline comes from. Um, You know, it is different. It's the 18th century. I don't think my life has been anything like hers. Um, But I think maybe I do understand the sort of perception that is put on her and um, the Mm -hmm. expectation and, yeah, the assumptions that she faces. And I've definitely come across that. I don't think it's just because of where and how I've grown up. I think it's for many different reasons. Um, You know, it's from what I do to being a woman to... Um, being my age to having children, it's it, you know it's everything. We all come up against you know people's perceived image of us, and um, you know I think all of our desire to probably break through that and show who we actually are. And playing someone like Caroline is a joy because she does that, um, and she will not have anyone tell her who she is, which is nice. <laughs> yes. Now, you studied fine art before pursuing a career in acting. If you had stuck with art, what might you be doing today? I, well, until I started acting, I didn't start acting until I was 20, um, but I 
through school and um, through my degree, I wanted to be a painter. So I guess I may have attempted to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have been very successful, but um, that was definitely my first love and what I thought I was going to do with my life. But um, acting sort of found me and um, I've been very happy in it since. Well, we're happy it found you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're presently shooting season four of Poldark? Yes. And what is next for you once you wrap? Um, so, well, we just started shooting season four, so I'm about two weeks in. Um, and with Poldark, it's it's quite a long shoot, so I won't be done till sort of spring next year. Um, and then we'll see. Um, I think, you know, Poldark takes up a lot of... Uh, time and and so it, I think for most of the actors on it, it's it's quite hard to do things uh, in between it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to see. We'll see if if there is going to be a season five. We don't know yet. Um, and yeah, my children are getting a little bit older now, so um, I think yeah, I'll be looking to maybe start doing some other things too. Well, thank you so much, Gabriella Wild, for speaking to us. We really appreciate it. That's my pleasure. It was lovely talking to you. Coming up next on the podcast, we talk to Keely Hawes, lead actor in The Durrells in Corfu, about what yet another sunny season on the island of Corfu has in store for Louisa Durrell and her brood. We, we have births, christenings, um, attempted murders, as we can say. <laughs> we have an entire cricket-based episode, <laughs> uh, which is a very, very British uh, sort of moment in Corfu, which is great fun. Don't miss our conversation with Keely Hawes popping up in your podcast feed on October 15th. While you wait, be sure to subscribe to the Masterpiece Studio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave a review of the podcast, too, in order to help other listeners discover the show for themselves. The Masterpiece Mediterranean Cruise Sweepstakes is happening now through November 20th, 2017. Enter daily for a chance to win the grand prize, a Viking cruise for two adults. You may also win one of three monthly prizes of Shop PBS merchandise. Visit pbs.org sweepstakes for official rules, including eligibility restrictions and prize limitations. Void where prohibited. Again, that's pbs.org sweepstakes. Masterpiece Studio is hosted by me, Jace Lakob, and produced by Nick Anderson. Elisheba Etoop is our editor. Special thanks to Barrett Brontis and Suzanne Simpson. The executive producer of Masterpiece is Rebecca Eaton. Sponsors for Masterpiece on PBS are Viking Cruises, Farmers Insurance, and the Masterpiece Trust. Masterpiece Trust.